Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, I ran across um, something in my notes that I haven't told you probably in probably a year and a half. We haven't talked about this piece of um, Samuel and Kings and and uh, those books um, some time ago. And I want to remind you that uh, in the Septuagint, First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings are also called First, Second, Third. Fourth books of the kingdoms. First, second, third, fourth books of the kingdoms. The kingdoms refer to the two kingdoms in the north and Judah in the south. We talked about in Second Samuel, we see the rise of David the king. As a matter of fact, I titled Second Samuel the rise of a king. We see the rise of David the king. And I told you some time ago that there are more chapters dedicated in the Old Testament to the life and the ministry of King David than any other Old Testament character. More than Moses, more than Abraham, more than Joseph, more than Jacob. David is mentioned more than a thousand times in the Bible. And David, I might even say, is the greatest king to have ever lived uh, except for Jesus. Uh, 1 Samuel is a book about Samuel, Saul, and David. 1 Samuel is a book about Samuel, Saul, and David. 2 Samuel is all about David's reign as king. Seven and a half years in Hebron, 33 years in, what city, saints? Jerusalem, you know that. Second Samuel, we see David's life, David's humanity, his royalty. We see his failures, his sin, his success. And even tonight, we're going to see his repentance. In Second Samuel, we see the man after God's own heart. Now, if you've been with us on Wednesday evening, you might not think that David is a great king or that David is a man after God's own heart. If you've been with us on Wednesday, you know that chapter 12, uh, we find David has had an affair with Bathsheba. And he had her husband murdered. You know the story. He had her husband murdered and to cover up that sin. And Nathan the prophet came to David and he said, because of this sin, I want you to look at this in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and look at verse 10. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and look at verse 10. This is very important because it kind of hinges throughout the rest of David's uh, life and David's ministry. 2 Samuel 12, 10 tells us that therefore the sword shall never, look saints, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me, God says, 
and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. The sword shall never depart from your house. And true enough, if you've been with us, true enough, since the sin with Bathsheba, there's been nothing but problems in David's life. There was a child conceived by David and Bathsheba. After being born, the child died. And then David um, has uh, his son Amnon, you know this. Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. David, uh, their father, didn't do anything about it. And their brother Absalom got angry about it. And he was angry, the Bible tells us, for two years, and he didn't say anything. And after two years, Absalom decided to take things into his own hands, and he had his brother Amnon killed at a party. And Absalom is now branded and banished as a murderer, so he went to stay with his grandfather, Talmay, for three years. I want you to look at chapter 13 in verse 37 and 38. Chapter 13, verse 37 and 38. He went to stay with his grandfather, Talmay, for three years. David mourns for Amnon every day for three years. Now think with me. At this point, David has suffered the loss of two sons and one daughter. Ammon is dead, Tamar is ruined, and Absalom is gone out of his life. All of this is the result. Now here, saints, I said all that to say this. All of this is the result of one moment of pleasure. One moment of sin. You got to wonder, sin with Bathsheba, you got that. You got to wonder if David is thinking, was it worth it? So Absalom's been gone for three years, and Joab, if you've been with us, if you were with us last time, right about, uh, look at chapter 14. Joab uh, was tired of seeing David depressed, so he concocted a plan through lies and deception to be a blessing to David. And Joab wants to, y'all ain't ain't listening, did you hear that? Through lies and deception, he decided to be a blessing to David. Okay. Joab wants to bring... Father and son back together. Chapter 14, he hired a widow, a woman of Tekoa. Look at about verse 2. Hired a widow woman. Actually, I could say a wise widow woman. Say that three times. A wise widow woman with a similar story of estrangement for her son. And she told David her story and that the family wants to kill her only son for revenge. And the story touched David's heart because, of his, because his story is similar. So David told the woman that he would take care of the situation and make everything right. Well, look at chapter 14 and verse 13. The woman said, why have you schemed against God's people? In other words, why are you being hypocritical? You're offering my son clemency, with, who is guilty of murder, and you're refusing to give your own son clemency and allowing him to come home. So David said, you're right, and he allowed Absalom to come back to Jerusalem, but David didn't want to see Absalom, probably because of conviction. And David didn't want to talk to him or see him, and he didn't for two years after Absalom is back in Jerusalem. Now think about that. Absalom is back in Jerusalem for two years. He was gone for three years. So David didn't speak to nor see Absalom for a total of how many years, saints? Five. That's five years. Okay, put it in perspective. That is five years of bitterness. That is five years of anger. That is five years of building up resentment toward his father. 
And the Bible says that we ought to deal with bitterness, that we ought to deal with resentment and anger, and we ought to deal with it swiftly. I told you that the word bitterness means sticky. It means sticky because bitterness is like that. It is sticky. We talk about it a lot here at Calvary Chapel, and, 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 and I want to talk about it a lot here at Calvary Chapel because I think too many Christians don't, don't deal with it. We don't, we don't deal with that. We don't talk about that. Um, you know, for some reason, I don't know why, the church just doesn't talk about bitterness when really the enemy loves to use bitterness to deceive you and to hurt you and to isolate you. So that he once he isolates you, because God didn't create you for isolation. God created you to be connected to the body. We're talking about commitment to the local church on Sunday mornings. Don't miss this Sunday. It's going to be good. On Sunday morning, I think. This Sunday morning, be there. But God didn't didn't create us to be isolated. God God wants his sheep to be a part of the sheepfold, but the enemy wants you to be isolated because he knows that if he can get you isolated, well, then he can play with your mind and he can tell you all kinds of things and pour all kinds of lies in you, that things that are just absolutely not true, and there's nothing that you're getting input from that that is combating the lies of the enemy and 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 satan rips so many christians off because of this one word called bitterness i know so we got we got to deal with that we got to talk about that and we've got to deal with it we've got to deal with before it becomes a root and once it becomes a root of bitterness well then it becomes hard to pluck it out then it becomes hard to get it out Absalom has gotten to the point where he is so bitter that now here in chapter 15, he is willing to commit treason against the nation and to murder his father. We come to chapter 15. The kingdom is in distress nationally. David is in distress personally and domestically. And as David is losing control of the kingdom, And his family is devastated right about this time. Absalom decides it's a good time for treason. Were you with me? Not last week, but I think the week before. Right about verse 1 in chapter 15, look at it. Absalom gets some horses and some chariots, and he puts together this little private militia. And then he begins to try and win people over to him, away from David. Well, in verse 2 of chapter 15, Absalom would get up early and stand at the gate. And people would come by with their situations and their problems. And Absalom would say, hey, come over here. Let me talk to you over here. The king's, you know, he's busy and, you know, you can't get to the king. He's too busy for you. He doesn't even text you back and he doesn't send you, you know, back emails. He just doesn't respond. He's too busy. Absalom would say, but if I were your king, I would take care of things. Well, then look at verse 6. Absalom, the Bible says, stole the hearts of the men of Israel, and he became more popular and more trusted than David. Verse 7, Absalom asked his dad to go to Hebron to fulfill a vow that he made to the Lord, but actually he went to plan a rebellion against his father. And he took 200 men with him who didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going, what, what he was up to. And he told the men, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then say, look right about verse uh, 10. Then say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. Verse 12 tells us that Absalom asked Ahithophel to join up with him. Why? 
because Absalom is thinking, if I can get Ahithophel on my side, this will only add to the legitimacy of my takeover. Because the people loved Ahithophel. I told you that. The people loved Ahithophel because they believed that um, Ahithophel uh, was a wise man. And they believed that his wisdom came directly from God. The people believed this, that he really, when he spoke, that he spoke the words of God. And so people really respected him. So Absalom thinks, if I can get him on my side, the people really respect him and love him. And also Ahithophel is also very bitter. It's funny how people can come together when they have one common enemy. But apart from that, they don't, wouldn't know each other, wouldn't talk to each other, would have nothing to do with each other. But if they, all, if both of them don't like the pastor, well. So Ahithophel, his granddaughter is Bathsheba. So David has ruined the life of Bathsheba. David has also killed his grandchild. Because remember, David and Bathsheba had a son. And the son was born, but then the son died as a result of the punishment from God. So David killed Ahithophel's grandson and destroyed the life of his granddaughter. So not only is Absalom bitter, but Ahithophel is bitter as well. Chapter 15, verse 12 tells us the movement, the conspiracy, the treachery, the treason grew stronger for the people with Absalom and it increased. It increased. Well, said all that, I've titled this sermon, A Friend in Need. Let's get to it, saints. Second Samuel, chapter 15. Okay, we're going to have to read big chunks, okay? Because otherwise I'm going to finish this chapter tonight. Second Samuel, chapter 15. We're looking at verse 13. If you're looking at verse 13, say amen. amen. Now a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said in verse 15 to the king, We are your servants ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Well, then the king went out with all of his household after him, but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king in verse 17 went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. And then all of his servants passed before him, all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from, interesting, Gath, passed before him. And then the king said to Atai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king. Speaking of Absalom, for you are a foreigner and also an exile. You've been driven out of your own country. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go and I don't know where I'm going? Return and take your brother back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Atai answered, notice his answer in verse 21. I love it. Atai answered the king and said, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Atai, go and cross over. And then Atai, the Gittite, and all of his men and all of the little ones who were with him crossed over. 
And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people crossed over, and the king himself also crossed over. Saints, I want you to note where they crossed over. They crossed over where, saints? The brook Kidron. And all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. Uh, Stop right there. Give me your attention. So verse 13, chapter 15, tells us that the messengers, they come, these messengers come to David to tell him that the hearts of the people are with Absalom. You have to kind of put yourself in David's sandals here because this news that the hearts of the people are with Absalom is devastating news to the ears of David. David didn't know anything was going on. David didn't know that Absalom was planning to revolt. Remember, the last time that David spoke to Absalom was when Absalom asked dad, could he go to Hebron to pay his a vow that he had made to the Lord? And David said to him, go in peace. By the way, those are the last words he ever, ever spoke to Absalom, because the next time he, see, he sees Absalom, he's going to be dead. So David doesn't know what's going on. David has no idea that there's anything wrong. So this is shocking. This stabbed David. A messenger comes and tells David that the hearts of the people are with Absalom. This stabs David right in the heart. If you're a father, you understand how painful beyond all belief. Think about your son maybe taking over your company and you don't know anything about it, or there's problems between you and your son, and you don't know anything about it. Oh, you know, last time you talked to him, everything was good. Everything was good. It was fine. For you to hear that your son is not only trying to take over the company and become the CEO, the chairman, and the COO, and and the, the AA, and the AAA, and whatever, all the titles that go along with um, boards. But he's trying to kill you. This is your son. This is painful beyond all belief. It's one thing that the nation has turned against David, but it's another thing that your own son is leading the rebellion. The goal is to seize the throne and kill his father. So this is heartbreaking for David. But remember, why had you look at it? 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10. Keep that verse and keep weaving it through the text as we keep going, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10. The sword shall never depart from your house. Let me tell you something about God. When God says something, it will happen. God does not lie. Did y'all hear me? I said God does not lie. Okay, that's where you say amen. Okay. God does not lie. God cannot lie. God is the same. Thank you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When God said to David through the prophet Nathan that the sword shall never depart from your house, that means in Hebrew, the sword shall never depart from your house. (laughs) Never. Now, couple that with Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 that tells us you sow the wind you reap the whirlwind galatians chapter 6 tells us you reap what you sow 
In other words, your action saints have consequences. And those consequences can go on for years. Watch this. Even if you ask for forgiveness. Just because you ask for forgiveness doesn't mean the consequences of your actions just suddenly, poof, disappear. Your consequences have actions. And they have reactions. So for that one moment of sin with Bathsheba, the consequences continue. David is reaping the whirlwind in his family and in the kingdom. Now look at verse 14. David hears that Absalom is on the way to destroy the city, and David has one of two options. Get your pen, fight or flight. Fight or flight. And what did David choose? Flight. David said, let's get out of the city before Absalom destroys us. Now, listen, every parent knows their kid and every parent knows what their kid will do and won't do. I remember raising my kids and somebody come knock on the door. Mr. Finch. Little Finch. <laughs> did such and such. And every parent, you know, your kids, you know, your kids. Does that sound like them? You go, I mean, while they're telling, you're thinking, hmm, that doesn't sound like them. I mean, maybe they they could do it, I guess, but that doesn't sound like they would do that. Because that just doesn't sound like them. Or you hear, Mr. Finch, your kid did such and such, and you listen, and you go, what? You know what? That sounds exactly like them. Yeah, they did it. I know they did it. Stop right there. No need to tell me anymore. I know they did it. Because you know know your kids. You know how parents are. You know what I'm talking about. You know your kids. Everybody knows their kids. We all know our kids. More often than not, listen, they did it. All right? I know some of y'all parents would love to think your children are just little angels. And they would never, 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 never do something like that. They did it. Okay? I I always, I was that parent that always believed the worst. (laughs) I always believed, yeah, they probably did it. And then the kids have to convince me that they didn't do it which rarely happens, okay, because they usually do it. Every parent knows their kid, and David knows his kids. And David knows the capability of Absalom. He knows that. David says, let's get out of the city before Absalom gets here. Now, listen, there's another reason why David chose to flight. There's another reason why. Because, listen, as a king and as a shepherd, David acts in the best interest of the people. Absalom acts in the best interest of himself. He doesn't care. David acts in the best interest of the people, so he leaves because if he stays, it's going to be a bloody civil war. Now, you could look at this two ways. You could think, well, man, David, man, David is running. David is scared. He's a coward. He, you know, reputation's on the line. Pride is on the line. He's running from his son. You could look at it like that. Or you could look at it like this. David has a shepherd's heart. And as a shepherd, Some battles, listen, if you've been asleep, wake up. Some battles need to be postponed. Some battles need to be postponed. Because if this battle isn't, this particular battle isn't postponed, people are going to be deeply, seriously, permanently hurt. 
And a shepherd protecting the sheep is more important than a shepherd protecting his image. Huh? Y'all didn't get that, did you? A shepherd protecting the sheep is more important than a shepherd protecting his image. David may be thinking, this is a battle that I'm going to have to fight someday, but not today. Someday, but not today. Listen, decisions like this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. This is what makes David a man after God's own heart. David cares for the city. Because if he stays, it's going to be a brutal, bloody battle and it's going to tear up the city, the holy city of Jerusalem. And a lot of people are going to get hurt. This is what makes David a man after God's own heart. And let me just tell you something. Let's make an application here. In your life, there are going to be times when you are right and the other person is wrong. But you can't live your life fighting on those terms. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.